Welcome to Springboard, your virtual university, and to another matriculation on a Sunday evening. My name is Albert Okran. Springboard is a multimedia personal development platform, the biggest of its kind running since August 2008. Springboard is brought to you by Legacy and Legacy and your superstition Joy 99.7 FM. This broadcast is proudly sponsored by EcoBank, the Pan-African Bank. We enjoy print media support from the Business and Financial Times and the Graphic Business, while Dream Oval is our technology partner. On behalf of the Virtual Academic Board, superintendent over by Comfort, with support from Matthew, Priscilla, and Amos, let me say thank you for joining us on Joy 99.7 FM and also on Facebook. Tonight on Springboard, your virtual university, we take our smart solution series to another level with a discussion about education. That big subject that encapsulates every single one of us, education. How different is formal and informal education today from what pertained 10 years ago or 20 years ago? If I may say even two years ago, how much of a learning tool is the internet and your mobile phone let's have that discussion we've been wanting to have for a long time so my guest for tonight is kafui prebi a man i've been wanting to hang out with for a long time he he sleeps eats and drinks education and technology he's the ceo of tech aid kafui thanks for making time to be with us and welcome to springboard thank you very much albert so the virtual university meets the the the, the edu, edupreneur. <laughs> is that what you call it? Right, 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 right. So this discussion about smart solutions. We've been we've been doing smart solutions and um, in the area of healthcare, we looked at payment systems for the individual and then also for the corporate as a foundation. We are settling down on education for the next few weeks. How important is this discussion about? education technology and smart solutions how important is it well thank you very much Abbott, and for the opportunity to share and i appreciate it so much well this is extremely important i mean education and technology today are not mutually exclusive they're just mutually inclusive right the output of our education systems is a function of the investment that we put in the education so if we do not put as much investment in technology as well as education together as a whole we're likely not to get the right products that we want so if productivity in a community or in a school or in an office is a function of the products that you put so if what you get what you're putting is bad what you get out is bad right you know so in a in an office setting and I, and I know for example in your office setting the right caliber of people are making things happen and those people are trained or they are products of the education system so these two there has to be a clear strategy to put people and technology together to deliver quality education that's the only way that we can guarantee that the products of our education system can compete even locally to the point that it can compete globally if you can't compete even locally and meet the standards that are required for doing work locally in our settings, unfortunately, you may not even be able to compete globally. 
So these two are mutually inclusive. They definitely have to come together. All right. In, in talking about the constituencies, you mentioned the school, the community, and the office. And I began to scope the various age brackets that that, that enca- encapsulates. Right. So just for the benefit of our listeners, before we even settle down into the, 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 the fine details of it, who will this discussion benefit? I have some, some listeners who are retirees. I have bankers. We have political actors. We have students at various levels. Different people listen to Springboard. Should some of them switch off or can everybody benefit from this discussion? Absolutely. Everybody will benefit. Tell me why. Education goes through different levels. You know, we have higher education, you have secondary education, you have primary education, you have kindergarten education. We have education at different levels. Now, technology as it comes is agnostic. It affects every level of the education system. You need to choose which technology would apply to which level. And with that, you can get the right output. Otherwise, some technologies will apply in one space. They may not apply in the other space. So I think it's important for parents for teachers, for educators, for policymakers to keep their eyes and their ears wide open to see what technology keeps coming because the people who create and make these technologies do not make them only for education. It is how we as educators apply those technologies in the different levels that make the outputs that we want. Let's start from the past and then we'll find our way into the present and then we'll look at the future. It, it will get scary at some points, but, but hey, stay with this discussion. <laughs> Let's start with the past. And so I recall about probably, let me see, I don't know if it's about 10 years ago. I, I don't have the, the luxury of being able to trace the timeline, but I know exactly who was the vice chancellor then. Um, Legon introduced this entrepreneurial program right. as a mandatory course for all students to do before they complete. Okay. And they were encouraging practitioners then to teach it. So I volunteered uh, <laughs> at, at, at the time to, to to find time within my busy schedule as CEO to go and teach okay. uh, entrepreneurship for free. I was just excited about people coming out and getting the chance to start a business. And sure. so I had 10 sessions with them. It was it was quite interesting. We, I, I, I made it as practical as possible. They, those who made time to be there enjoyed it. That's it. But Kafu, I noticed something very interesting. On the very last day of the course, the class was packed. So I was asking myself, are these all my students or... <laughs> I, I put for the next course also in my class. Central cafeteria was packed, just packed full, right? So I assumed that maybe they, they missed out on the earlier sessions, and so they were coming for the last one so that they would get the information about how to start. So I was very excited. Okay. And then when I finished teaching, I said, "Any questions?" The first person lifted up his hand and said, "Yes." So the exams will leave multiple choice. Oh, or it's <laughs> going to be. <laughs> That was when I, I realized that the big crowd I had was not because of the learning, it was Let's because of the exam. exam. Just tell us what will come and then we'll be fine. We'll be ready. Kaffee, yeah. This overemphasis on examinations yeah. and learning by rote, yeah. how badly has it hit us? Oh, of course. Um, there are lots of things that, I mean, our students cannot do because of the way we're taught to prepare the kids for the exams. Um, there's something we call lifelong learning. You know, you need to prepare yourself to be able to fit not only within your own space, but also in the larger space that you work with. But unfortunately, the, our systems do not permit us to be able to train people in that space. That's why you see universities 
that are doing that and are training people and pushing people to be able to be out of the box thinkers, right? Not copy, not roads learning, are people that are doing well in the, in the environment. They're scouted for by everybody and they're the high, they get the high paying jobs. And it's just a function of how education prepares those people to fit into society. Multiple choice, it doesn't, it's not everywhere. You know, these are not things you'll find in daily work workplaces. You would find people, you have to think, you have to solve a problem. We want problem solvers in our society, in our offices. We don't want people who come and just look through and say A, B, or C. So there's a function to which that plays to 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 test the kind of knowledge you have. But it's also limited because there's a there's a, a large scope. That you need to know these things to be able to function effective. Unfortunately, if you're only testing knowledge, which is just, oh, rote learning, this is one plus one or two plus two and that, and we're not testing the fact where creativity comes in, you give them a real life problem. There is a sewage issue here. Go and solve it and bring us, you know, those are some of the things that we're talking about. If society or education brings out those kinds of people, that's when they fit in. Otherwise, if we keep doing this exam, multiple choice kind of thing, I think we're going to have a couple of challenges. One challenge we have is that it's 16 minutes past the hour of 7, and we just started. But this is Joy 99.7 FM, and this is Springboard, your virtual university. My guest for tonight, Kafui Prebi, will be joined along the line by Grant Bulmo from London, bringing us some perspectives. He's the CEO of Neogenics. They are into also education um, and improving the quality of education. We'll also get some perspective from a student in the university. Find out from them. Has he been learning this week, this weekend? And how did he learn? Did he do it through and Paul? <laughs> we'll try and find out from, from a, a university student or two. And then we also will we'll cross over to industry and pick some perspectives about interesting things that are being done. But let me go to this report I'm looking at from the World Economic Forum that says 65% of children who enter primary school today will find themselves in occupations when they start working right will find themselves in occupations that do not even exist today absolutely our universities have to change some departments it's it's going to just happen people just have to be ready there are jobs that are going to be non-existent in a very short while it's a very frightening proposition when you talk absolutely. about things like this but people need to know it, it it's real i mean albert very soon there are systems and we'll go deeper into that to talk about technology where in the past we're doing research with you know google before then it was books and so on and so forth but we have artificial intelligence we have voice recognition systems on your iphone today you have siri siri can actually tell you the temperature of ghana without you googling and touching the phone these are applications that are becoming handy and unfortunately there are some skill sets that are going to die pretty soon and unless people, you know, change and think about these new ways that they can solve problems, a lot of people will be unemployed. Let me read another 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 paragraph in this report, and I'm going to ask you to put the two of them together. So, by 2020, it's estimated that there will be 1.5 million new digitized jobs across <laughs> the globe. Right. Hold it before you respond, because as we speak... 90% of organizations currently have an IT skills shortage. Respond, Kofi. Very true. I mean, I'll take even our local context. Right. You see what is happening right now with even our national ID cards, our driver's licenses, the port systems, and so on and so forth. 
Unfortunately, if there are no skilled personnel to manage these systems, what happens? And if you decide to be there, then you have to fit into that space. You have to kind of rebrand yourself. That's what I would say. Re-educate yourself. And that brings us to the informal education where people have to acquire some skills. I have met a lady, for example, who demonstrated that she could learn how to sew from YouTube and she has a brand now. This is what we're talking. You have to relearn. You have to unlearn and relearn to be able to fit. Otherwise, IT is going to be what it is in productivity. IT is going to be key. Efficiency is going to be IT is going to be key in education, healthcare. You really need to train yourself. Whatever profession you choose, in addition to finding out what those new new jobs will be in 2020 and beyond, you still have to be ready in what you're doing, at least to be able to sustain your job. Two things that are coming up. First of all, is that there will some some kinds of jobs will be challenged because technology will make those things very easy to do without human intervention. Definitely. And you also are seeing that some jobs may remain, but practitioners in those areas have to add value to themselves to yep. make themselves um, more relevant to the organization. Of course. Somebody's listening and saying, "I don't like how this is going. <laughs> what should I do starting tonight?" Oh, absolutely. There's a lot of open opportunities. Um, whatever practice, whatever skill set or profession that you have right now, you really need to go online and look up and so find let, out. So let me give you practical examples, just so we don't shoot in the dark. So if somebody's in nursing, what should they do? If somebody's in teaching, what should they do? If somebody's in manufacturing, help the individual listener tonight to get some comfort. If okay. somebody's in banking, what should he or she do? Okay. There are applications that do all the banking that we're talking about today. And if somebody is going to stay in the banking space, technology is going to change how they do banking. Right. And already the CEO of Stambake has said, very soon, the walls that we find out in terms of banking are going to be lost. Right. Very soon. I came across branchless banks. <laughs> exactly. And there are banks online today that are doing serious business without any physical presence. Right. You can bank. You do everything on your phone. So, unfortunately... All we need is the people who will manage us. We don't need tellers anymore, unfortunately. But that's the reality. It's going to come to the point where you use your platforms to transmit your money and make your payments on your phone everywhere, anywhere, anytime. You really don't need to go to the bank. You can take a picture of a check, send it to the system, it automates it and transfers the money. You don't need to walk to the bank. It's a reality. So unless you find out how your job is going to transform in a couple of years and find out how you're going to fit and begin to prepare yourself now, I'm sure you're going to be caught up in that space. So if I understand right, the person in banking must look out for additional value they can bring beyond just counting money and putting it in the, in the, in the safe. That's one critical example. Just one critical example. Um, there are a lot of people who don't go to the bank these days and pretty much soon. You wouldn't find more people going there. Even before the advent of mobile money, we said there were a lot of people who were unbanked and there were strategies for people to try to go to places in rural areas to try to bank them. What has happened today? It's, it transcends the borders of everything. You can do all your banking on your phone. That's what is good. FinTech. I'm going to come to teaching, which is my, my mother taught all her life. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have two teachers, two big teachers I celebrate. My mother taught all her life and my mother-in-law taught all her life so i have two mothers who are uh, died in the world teachers and the teaching that was done in their time even though they were very committed it was what you call old school teaching now how has teaching evolved over the years Kafi? Uh, the 
kids of today or learners of today, I mean from kids kindergarten way to university level, have tools in their hands to be able to access knowledge. Very truly, and around the world, now it's collaborative learning. Lecturers, teachers, at whichever level, do not see themselves as the custodian of knowledges in the past. Right. They used to be. But now it's collaborative. And I, I just mentioned to you before we came in that at the University of Ghana Business School, for example, they're doing a lot of collaborative learning, collaborating with other universities. And I spoke at one of the programs where they launched a raw case where the, the story is being treated or is being learned and used by people from other universities, so, so like, other like students. A case study of sorts. Exactly. Right. So you're, you're talking about a scenario where the lecturer, the teacher, is learning collaboratively with the child. You're facilitating. There's a model today which is called a flipped model where the, the child or the learner also has access to so much information that it's possible for them to tell you that what you're saying is not true. It happened with the doctors who came in last two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> they said some of the patients are so informed about their yes. own body mass index, their, their, what do you call it, their blood pressure that you can give them a measurement and they will contest it and prove that you are wrong. Exactly, that's what is going to happen pretty soon. Wow. So in the past, we, you know, teachers, and I'm a teacher too, you know, that... We, we were the custodians of knowledge where people we taught even if you taught them in junior level senior high level whatever they would take everything you say today they would challenge it you see textbooks that have errors in them and you see the kids and they tell you this is wrong they tell you straight in the face and so they would take the phone they would google it they would find it out they would ask Siri they would ask whichever voice recognition application to tell them the answer it would tell them what is right and they would tell you right there in your face. And so the phone would answer the question to you. And you, you're telling them this is right. And he's telling you, what's the temperature here? And he tells you this is it. And the, the phone speaks to you. One school of thought says these are lazy people who don't want to learn. Well, it's the, way, it's the way the world is going. Everybody wants to compete and wants to be efficient. If they are setting up systems to do it as a company in Ghana, it would be different how it was set up 20 years ago. 25 minutes past the hour of of seven o'clock my guest Kafri Prebi trying to understand how learning is going these days compared to what um, it used to be before I'm going to get Grant Bloom on the line from London to try and give some perspective on on how the the processing how the mind of the student today processes what kind of environment will multiply the results I found out Kafri that the solutions that are being provided today are interesting. No one would have dreamt about them five years ago. For instance, let me give you two examples that I found very interesting. Mm -hmm. So one of them is, for instance, a school that provides after school. I mean, these, these are several after school programs. programs. Mm -hmm. When they started, it looked funny. Mm -hmm. Some even said the parents were lazy. Mm -hmm. But these are parents who are legal practitioners, bankers, they close at 8 o'clock, and they are remembering that they have a child that they left behind at home the driver has picked the child. So these after-school programs provide a forum where the children can be dropped there. They are helped to do their homework. They, they play a little. Mm -hmm. Then they, they learn something new. Mm -hmm. And in some instances, they actually bath the children and change oh, them. Oh, absolutely. So by the time the parent closes at eight and comes, the child is ready to go to bed. Yes. And these are educational solutions that are being provided. Sometimes one will think that they are is out of this world. But is so real now. I mean, who thought that Uber would be in Ghana today and that taxis will be, will, you know, be unhappy about the presence of Uber? A lot of people these days find it interesting to use Uber. 
that's a disruptive technology. It's going to happen in the space of education pretty soon as well. Pretty soon then. And I have a man, a man who loves these innovations and who loves to discuss how education is, is getting more and more and more exciting. My friend Grant Boomer is on the line from London. Grant, good evening. Hi, good evening, Albert Ogren. How is everything, my brother? By the grace of God, we are doing well. London is fantastic and everybody is doing well. Grant, walk us through um, the dynamics of learning today. I mean, we're trying to find out how to bring out the best in our in from, in from our education, from the perspective of the student, from the perspective of the educator, and then also from even the environment that is created for people to learn. Let's start with, with the environment. What kind of environment um, engenders proper education for our children? Thank you. Thank you, um, Albert, and, and hello to Kafui and all the listeners out there. Um, learning these days have gone through a lot of um, um, transformation. Um, yesterday, teaching or education or teaching and learning in the classroom was basically from teacher to learner. It moved on from teacher to learner and learner to learner. Now we're in a point where learning is from teacher to learner and learner to teacher. So it's a two-way traffic. And we now have a lot of um, um, stimulus around our learners and they tend to learn from everything. So learning is basically not stimulated by just a human being. It's basically something that is initiated by either technology, by environment, by a movie, or by anything. But we just need the adult as a facilitator that would facilitate that learning process for the student who is a target uh, person or individual to receive the content. So the teacher doesn't have to be present. The teacher can use different approaches different mediums as long as the learning objective is achieved. So things have changed drastically. And the learning environment, for example, when I started teaching in London in 2001, as compared to today, things have changed greatly, enormously. You can look at classroom has changed. Now we have a classroom desk that are interactive. We have uh, whiteboards that are interac interactive. There are children using iPads in school. No more textbooks. Physical textbooks are all chucked away. Um, people are now um, using digital books. Um, children, children are using all kinds of media. We've got virtual classrooms now. Um, um, when I go into a school, I'm able to set a homework for a child virtually. I can actually monitor the child whether he's doing the homework or not. Parents can also see visually in real time if the child has done the homework or not. So it's becoming very sophisticated. And any school that needs to really um, deliver 21st century level of education must be technological compliant, otherwise you'll be left behind. Apart from that, children know what is happening across the world. They know how children other places learn as well. So they are hungry. Uh, you, you, you hardly will see a child who just sits down doing nothing because the technology has, has infused them and has stimulated them that they always want to. They want, they want to learn. They always, yeah, there's something they must interact with. 
the children find it even difficult to, to just to, to sit down put for even more than three minutes because they must be they must they must interact so the atmosphere in the classroom must change and if you're a boring teacher and you don't use technology you're going to be dealing with behavior issues and that is what, the, what we're having now in most of the developed countries and uh, i see that creeping into africa and some of the developing countries as well Grant, you talk about creeping. We want to go beyond the creeping. You talk about being interactive. Um, let me give you, a, um, talking about interactive, if you haven't joined us on Facebook, just go to my page, Albert N.E. Okran, and just join this discussion. And if you have you have thoughts that you would like to share, Albert N.E. Okran is the page to go to or go to Comfort Okran A and send your questions there by Facebook. We will answer as many as we can. My guest, Kafui Prebi in the studio and Grant Bulmo on the phone from London. Grant, you talk about interactive teacher to learner and learner to teacher but i also am aware that the students have complained bitterly about a phenomenon where they go out there to explore discover new things and they write it in the exams and lecture says give me back what i give you in my notes how do you respond to that um i think that's why we need a lot of moderation um for 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 most part of our higher education level and even within our secondary school level um there's a need for moderation of performance because um the the the, the spectrum of knowledge it keeps widening and uh, we 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 can't narrow a child's perspective and limit it to one person's opinion in the classroom so I think it is down to leadership of education to be able to increase the level of moderation of what children feedback, because um, what they learn and what they know goes beyond a classroom. We are in the dispensation of, of schools without walls, so to speak. So I, I would say that um, that would be uh, a shoot in our own foot because we tend to reduce the the, the creativity of uh, and the imagination of our children if we restrict children's uh, feedback or performance to just what the teacher or the lecturer knows or offers to the child. Grant, before you go, you, I, I know that you also are very concerned about um, not killing the the confidence of of children. Let me just get, tell you a, a very interesting discussion that took place with my, my my daughter this this past week. And so she's doing she she's going out there for an internship, and she says it's going to be about strategy. So she's going for an interview, and I say, why don't you read? <laughs> I mentioned competitive strategy, Michael Porter. She says, oh, that is old. I mean, those theories were. And she's telling me that that book was written. A number of years ago, there are, there are modern theories, and she insists that the book I'm recommending is old school. I mean, I'm like, hey, you do you know when I did? <laughs> she, she couldn't be bothered. And I, while I was I was fascinated by, I was also also impressed with her, the confidence with which she's recommending her own alternatives and insisting that there are better solutions. How? How confident are students that are raised in these dispensations that allow them to express themselves, challenge the status quo, and offer alternative solutions? And how important is that one in their career development? You see, education is not just about content, but it's about developing the individual child to be able to interact with his environment, his society, his community. He should be trained and raised up to be able to question issues around them. So, of course, a child is, must probe his environment. And there are 
critical thinkers. So we train them to be critical thinkers, to be able to look at the pros and cons of issues. So even though you are an adult and you recommend, a child who is able to analyze that information is the sort of child we all want to raise up in our community, right? Because um, we, 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 have, we, we are training teachers who are going into the classroom not really to raise up a 21st century learner. And some of the times, we, we teachers go into the classroom only to be to realize that they are ill-prepared because the students are more, 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 more prepared than them, right? And it's because even the teacher development process, we haven't taken into consideration the 21st century learner. So most of them are miles, miles ahead. Um, and, and let me tell you what, my, my son, um, who, who he, he taught himself how to play the piano and, and just by, by watching YouTube. And he taught himself to read book one, book two, within one month. Without uh, a tutor, he could read the notes. And I play by ear, and now he, he plays by reading. And, and when I want to teach him, I say, 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 Daddy, that's not a case. This is how we do it, and this is what I know. And I, I celebrate his confidence and his ability to put his opinion across, because that is where the world is going to. Yesterday, you only have to say yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. And as long as you are loyal to your boss, you get a job. But these days, we are looking for 21st century learners who are able to argue, make their points across. And that's what education is about. It's not about 100%. I know people in this country who come out of university, third class, but they get a really good job with, with, with city banks and other places because they are able to go in there and prove to them that, look, I am above what I have on my certificate. And these are very confident learners, these are assertive learners, and these are learners who can actually um, and, and put their case forward. And that's what education is about. So I think, Albert, speaking about technology, um, we need to go back to the drawing board. Look at where we are. What do we need to do to help our schools to use interactive ICT technology to deliver learning that will enthuse our learners to want to learn more and to want to develop more. Let me bring on a final year student in Ashesi University, Oreku Ampofo, to give us his own perspective. He's listened to both of you speak. Um, Oreku, good evening. Good evening, Albert. Right. So let's start with you as the student. You've listened to Kafui talk about the the, 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 the challenge of learning today and the, the, the kind of approach we must use that goes beyond what we've done in the past. Grant has said that we must create an environment where it's a two-way uh, traffic from teacher to learner and from learner uh, to teacher. What do you think about these, these, these thoughts? Well, I, I found them very applicable because um, you look at my robotics class, for instance, I'm taking this semester, and for the first part of the semester, the teacher, you know, taught the basic concepts. But then what she did was that the rest of the topics, she divided us into groups. And what we had to do was go and research and actually come and teach the class in our groups. So without the teacher actually teaching, we sit down, it is a group talking, you take notes, and at the end of the class, the teacher just asks a few things, and we go. And when is your group, you come on and you explain us if we are teaching. So we actually have, we've not had a teacher in a robotics class for the past four or five weeks, and we've still been learning a lot. And it goes as to how it's so easy to get access to information nowadays. And yeah, I do, I do agree on that fact that it's, it's pretty easy to get information online. You, you see the resources that we have um, through 
IEEE and JSTOR and a lot of articles are online. And I, th- I think the most important tool is YouTube because um, it, it's really easy to learn there. Um, I, I, I have another class called um, Algorithms, and it's pretty tough, I would say. You don't really grasp a lot of things in class, but YouTube makes it all simple. After class, I just sit down, open YouTube, go to the concept, and I'm fine. And it's all like the olden days. I don't really have to go to the library and go and find a book on it. And just a five-minute YouTube video, and I'm fine. And still find time to play football. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let me let me let me do a little comparison here. You you got a chance to do a one year at Goucher College in the US. Yeah. So um I suppose that somebody will say that what you are doing is the high end of Ghana. I mean that's that's like the the the, the top end of the education spectrum in Ghana. But when you found yourself in America, uh, did you find yourself comparing the best of what you have to to what is out there? Yeah. You try not to do that, but then you find yourself doing the course. It's it's so organized up there. And at Gaucha College, for some reason, you do the same number of courses, but then you find yourself with a lot of time to be able to explore and then learn a lot of new things. You get a chance to participate in a lot more extracurricular activities. And I did, I did the same number of five courses, but I think it's the case of the amount of workload that we had, where we did so much work in the classroom and didn't get a lot of homeworks rather um, compared to how in ghana we get so much work and before you actually finish with your work outside class you are drained and you are so tired and it leads to a lot of stress for students in ghana but in in america i would say that it was the system was really flexible and you could really learn a lot outside class and you know participate in a lot of other things all right, stay on the line right. with me, Reku. Let me come back to yeah. you, Grant. Grant, so, yeah. so here is somebody who's had a taste of the Ghanaian system and a taste of the American system. Charlie, are we coming or we are, we are lost, Grant? <laughs> I, I think um, we, we, look, I've worked with Ghanaian schools, um, both in the public and the private sector. We've got fantastic, fantastic provision in some schools. There's one school in the central region, a private school, I'll mention the name, and every child has, a, has an iPad in the classroom. Right, but but you see, we, I'm, I see fantastic um, provision in some schools, and in some schools, especially in the public sector, you go and the ICT lab has been full of dust, gathering dust. Why? Because we don't understand two things. Number one, teaching of ICT is different from teaching with ICT. So most of the initiative that we have on the ground in Ghana is geared towards teaching of ICT. That is the first part. Then we can now move on to look at teaching with ICT, using tools to develop um, how the teacher himself can be competent enough to use ICT and bold and confident to use it in a classroom. You saw uh, a video that went viral with a girl using the, the stone as a mount and blah, 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 and it all went so viral. But I felt that that was a great initiative because you, you have to do something. You have to do something to let the child have a visual perspective of ICT. Uh, and so, um, uh, yes, some countries, when I started in teaching United Kingdom, uh, Albert, there were some teachers who had interactive whiteboards in the classroom for two years, wouldn't touch them. They, they had a phobia for them. And there are still some of them in UK who don't even know how to use an interactive whiteboard, and they still teach. But that doesn't limit the child. Because it has become embedded within the society, 
that even um, illiterates know how to shop online, they know how to do things, they know how to go into a chat room, they know how to get information, they know how to search. You know, we've been trying to develop the GhanaTeachersNetwork.com to get teachers on it, just to be able to learn. We, we're dropping a lot of information, ICT audit, how to do ICT audit in your schools to know where the teachers are before you even start buying the hardware. Because we get teachers in, in investing in the hardware, uh, the schools investing in the hardware, government putting um, computers in school without even doing an ICT audit, basic ICT audit, to look at the competence, the competent level of the teacher. And once the teachers don't have that confidence to even teach it, then it will not be passed on to the students. And here I'm looking at even the rural person in Savlugu, in Nandombulegang, in those areas. I want, I, that's what the level I'm looking at. Grant, we'll definitely come back to you for uh, as we continue this discussion. Over the next few weeks, it's going to be a centerpiece of life here on the virtual university. We're going to break down education to the point where my favorite listeners who are the retired ones who are saying there is still life for us will understand what they can do in terms of education. Next, you could go on to the issue of personal education. It's going to get very brutal right here on the studio, but in the studio. But Grant, thanks for joining us. Oreku, thanks for joining us um, this evening. Let's do this again next week, and I'll go, I'm going to come back into the studio to Kafui Preby. So thanks so much. You're welcome, Albert. I'm right. grateful. Right. So Kafui, I mean, I know there's so much you want to say, but let me just cool things down a bit with a song by Joe Metz. I'm going to play the song turning around. And when I come back, there's a guy on Facebook who's saying that, oh, give me that one by Kufiago. He says, I'm, I'm an IT personnel who devoted, devoted my time to teach a school. Let me try and get the full text. Right. He says, I'm an IT personnel who devoted to help a school voluntarily that wasn't performing well in the BEC. And to my surprise, GS is still using Office Word 2003 as part of their syllabus. The books they use are nothing to talk about. So I introduced a presentation style using a projector in the class. And the school went from 2% to 25% in two years. This is Springboard of Virtual University. My guests for tonight, Kafui Prebi in the studio, were joined by Grant Bulmo from London and Oreku Nyamiche Ampofu from Ashesi University. And for full disclosure, Oreku is my son. <laughs> he calls me Albert on air. Can you imagine? Ah, I'm from Papa. <laughs> All right. So let's wrap this up. So Kofi Agosi is an IT personnel. He went and transformed the school that was doing nothing and he just helped them to go from 2% to 25% in two years just by showing them an easier, a smoother, a faster, a more efficient way to get things done. Is that what we've been talking about, Kofi? Oh, absolutely. That's what we're, we've been talking about. And I have said that there's one model that schools need to adopt and, and I call that bring your own device. You know, it's the BYOD model where... You set up a system where people can have access to content, you know, specific content, either approved by the ministry or, you know, the right content that people, at no cost to them. Once you do that, you drive people bringing technology that does exist. Either it's an old laptop, an old PC, or whatever you call it, you know, tablets, phones, whatever, and they bring them. So make sure that the systems in your schools are set up and two things are critical to make it happen. Provide free access to the technology in the schools. Make it as cheap as possible. Make it a part of the process and require that the teachers bring their own devices. Now, once you do that, you drive adoption almost immediately because that's the only way we can break the barrier of giving people tools. And I saw one person ask a question about um, the, the GES labels. Of course, 
there's been talk about you know we still teaching 2003 as part of the ICT syllabus and and I do know we've interacted with their Minister of Education that they're currently reviewing the syllabus so we should be getting an ICT syllabus which you know is good in a very long short time to come and that for me will address some of the frustrations because we've built about 80 plus labs nationwide we've supported schools and sometimes when we do installations we are faced with the challenge of the syllabus has 2003 right. and I'm installing 2007 and 2010 in the labs. We have labs that are funded by huge institutions that we've done in several districts across the country. We call them edu labs, education labs. Do I install 2003? Do I? Is that what I want to do today? Right. Even Microsoft itself has stopped supporting that you know application. You're, you're and, uh, conflicted. It, so it's always a challenge until the schools. We, we are constantly faced with a challenge of talking to the schools and, and finding it out. Look, the children are going to the real world. It's of course the syllabus hasn't changed, but I know it's going to change very soon because there's been lots of words saying that this syllabus has to change. Otherwise, we, we, we are constrained by what the syllabus says we should teach and what the children go to meet in the real world. So that's going to happen. Right. So let me go on to the phone lines. And I have, an, I have one of our partners on the phone. They've been with this, this show for the nine years that we've been running nonstop. And they are our technology partners, Dreamoval. Let me talk to the chief executive of Dreamoval, Deridin Dazi. Derry, good, good evening. Yeah, hi. Good evening, um, Albert. And good evening, Kafui, and all your, to all your listeners. And Comfort, too. Right. So, Derry, you... I know that the Dreamoval Foundation recently did a massive, ambitious project trying to train 150,000 children in coding. Tell us about that. I mean, how audacious 150,000 children in coding. Give me an idea about what, what, what you did with that project. Yes, uh, Albert, we, we, we did that um, from last week, um, Wednesday, um, to, okay, last week's Wednesday to this week's Wednesday. And uh, it's part of a bigger, a bigger plan of training about 500,000 um, pupils how to code across Africa. So Ghana did 150,000 of that and Dreamoval Foundation spearheaded the the Ghana version. So what we did was that we went, we used two um, regions. We did two regions, which is um, Greater Accra, mainly in the Accra Metro, and then Kumasi. So we went to the various schools and then we trained the pupils how to code. And we, we, we taught them in a language that was written by MIT Labs, um, um, called Scratch. And, 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 and one of the key things that we found was that the children have advanced. Like, you, you think that you're teaching them at grade one level. Uh, before they, you, you start giving them the instruction, these kids are already at grade three. Because they right? play so, games, they play games, and they, they know these devices very, very well. And that's the issue. Yeah, and, 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 and for me, that is the, the, the most incredible part because you're going to find somebody in, 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 a, in a metropolitan area like Nima, and these kids are really, really smart. And to think that you might say that these are some of the children who are probably disadvantaged, but they are also some of the smartest that you're going to find around. And for us, Africa Code Week, which is a program that we've been running uh, for the past two years, is to um, prepare the African child for the workforce of the future. And that for us is very, very uh, important to us because if we don't have a very deliberate effort towards preparing the African child um, for the workforce of the future, then we might not more or less liberate ourselves from the kind of crisis that sometimes we find ourselves in, especially when it comes to the economy. So our task is to see that over the next um, few years, we are going to 
train children how to code because we believe that coding is a new language. Yes, French is important, Spanish is important, but goat, um, I mean, coding is very, very important. And that is the kind of agenda that we set for ourselves over the next few years. Derry, when we get you on the show next week, we will be looking at personal development or what you call informal education. We'll look at the democratization of education by the power of technology. Forget about what is happening in the classroom. This is a day-to-day learning where the person who is 85 can sit in their home and on the, by the power of their mobile phone learn what they like without any restriction. It's going to be brutal next week. We'll need you on the show next week as we talk about personal development and the democratization of education by the power of technology. So make a date with us next week. There you have a date? I can't wait. All right. All right. We have a deal next week. All right. So let's do next week on that one. Right. So back into the studio. Thank you, Derry. So, Kafui, let's wrap this up. I I have a couple of messages I would like to read. One is from your brother-in-law, Elik Blin Ntumi, who says that the world is going digital now. And his argument is very simple. Textbooks versus versus digital um, textbooks. He's saying that the manual textbook, if there's an error, it would take years to revise. As for digital, right there and then, it can be updated. And so he says, hey, that's the way to go. And then Rosmond Anyina says the teacher must be at the center of if ICT is to be improved at the public school, but most teachers do not even have the required skills to teach IT. It's a big discussion that will go on for weeks, but wrap up for us in a minute. Are we, and, and the question I would like you to speak to, there is evidently a gap between us and other jurisdictions. We can't deny it. There are some amazing success stories here in our part of the world, but there is also a, a yawning gap between what we have here locally okay. right. and what pertains in other jurisdictions. Rick was very diplomatic about not not, not, not comparing, but he says, listen, it stares at you in the face. What is there hope for us? Can we bridge that gap? What must we do to wrap up? There's hope. We, we first of all need to craft out a very clear strategy to make ICT not only a subject that is taught. And, and Grant has said that we have to make it a strategy that teachers adopt and use ICT as part of their teaching processes. So we call it ICT in education which is it's an integral part of the process where the teacher uses simple tools like projectors, like PowerPoint and things like that to teach. This is not teaching ICT. This is the utilization of technology as part of the processes. People are using social media. There are tools out there. Edmundo is part of it. Teachers and parents are collaborating on the same platform. It works like social media. And so today you can tell what exercises your child has been giving by a teacher and so on and so forth. So what we have done, and, and permit me to share a little bit about the Asanka, which is like an offline mobile hotspot device, because it's expensive for teachers possibly to begin to use internet. So we are driving it from the rural you know, point and bringing it up into the cities. By the time we have 4G in the rural areas, Asanka would be available, or it's currently available now, to have schools put content on it and have teachers access it with any device. That's what we call the bring-your-own-device model. Your duty is to set up Wi-Fi in the schools and provide access to content on a server and allow the schools to be able to use it. One, one word. Is there hope? There is hope. <laughs> there is hope. Right. My guest for tonight has been Kafu Prebi. He's the CEO of TechAid, helping us to understand the issues as we unpack the subject of education. We're going to run this discussion for a while. And next week, the reason why I want you to make a date as we matriculate next week is that it's going to be about your personal development. I was in a session today with a number of 
participants, ladies in a particular um, group, and we're talking about how, how where do you want to see yourself in the next five years? And some were saying, listen, I wish I had heard this 10 years ago. Listen, no problem. The fact that you didn't hear it 10 years ago, now that you know, yeah. you can take charge of your life and design Get your online. own learning. Yes. Whether you are 89 or you are 10, next week you will design your own curriculum, exactly. you will design your own platform, right. and you will execute it. Right. And for those who say technology scares me, listen, next week you find out that your phone is your nicest asset. Absolutely. You will learn on your phone, and it's possible. Yes. So, so we come your way again next week on behalf of Priscilla Matthew. Today, Priscilla has been on the camera. Brutal. <laughs> Priscilla Matthew Amos, and the, the boss herself, Comfort. My name is Albert Okran. Thank you, Kafu Prebi. Thank you, Grant Bumo. And thank you, Oreku. God bless you. God bless you. And God bless you. Good night.